Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show, tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show, you can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 415, Mr. Summich. Three more weeks, huzzah! Is it really still? Well, I guess a little less than three. Technically, yeah, if you round up three weeks. That's sad. I was like, no, it's not. Yeah, no, we still got the time. Uh, listen, we got a jam-packed Breeders' Cup show. We're excited. Michael Austin in chat. So many Breeders' Cup questions. Um, chat is already blown up right now, Mike. But I'm excited. You know, we uh, we had probably – we have the Raven run stakes this weekend for the Philly Mayor Sprint, possibly. But otherwise, we're pretty much done. We've seen everybody race who's going to run in the Breeders' Cup. Uh, Europe, they had the champion stakes weekend at Ascot. And so – uh, along with a couple of extremely major upsets, uh, yeah, we got to see what horses from there might show up. So, uh, like you said, buddy, three weeks away, Breeders' Cup. Well, let's go, man. It's fun. We were actually starting to find out what these fields are going to be like. The dirt race is obviously still a little easier to project than the turf races. We even have American trainers throwing some curveballs at us. Chad Brown talking about the, the turf mile. I know Nick was excited about that comment, uh, specifically domestic spending, whether or not he will be entered in the Breeders' Cup there. It's going to be interesting to see when these turf races really flush themselves out. We need to find out exactly what Europeans are coming over. But uh, it's the handicapping has already started, which is kind of crazy. I got a question for you to kick off the show, Magic. Nest into flight line. What's that double going to pay? <laughs> for a dollar, uh, buck 40. <laughs> Maybe 250. Like it's going to, it will be the chalkiest. It has the possibility of being the chalkiest distaff into classic double ever. Wow. Yeah. There's so many different doubles, too, to play, and we'll have a lot of fun. Uh, as we get closer, they haven't released the full wagering menu or the order of the races yet, but uh, that'll be a fun thing. If you haven't yet, subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash racing. Do so much Breeders' Cup content coming out the next couple of days. Uh, Aaron actually helped me put together the top five prep uh, races, the replays for them uh, for both the Breeders' Cup Classic and for the Juveniles. So like the most important races, we think, for handicapping those. So go check it out. If you like it, we can do it some more for other divisions. Just let us know. But uh, that'll be over there at the channel, along with other stuff coming out, Mike. But uh, let's get into it. You ready? Let's do it. Rise up. All right, Mike, let's uh, – whoops, I didn't actually mean to have the turf off. Let's start with talking about the Breeders' Cup Classic. It's the, the biggest race, $6 million mile and a quarter on dirt and the biggest favorite of the entire time, uh, the entire weekend. It will be Flightline if he goes. He is uh, projected four to five. These are odds from Brad Free of DRF uh, to show up here. He's got life as good as the second choice at six to one over a pair of three-year-olds in Taba and Epicenter. They're both eight to one. You and I disagree about which of those three-year-olds we think is the biggest challenger to flight line but if you're looking to play this race i mean a flight line table exact of four to five over eight to one you've got to be salivating at this yeah i can't believe life is good as a second choice of six to one um I, that doesn't make any sense to me i realize life is good has been very good but i don't really see how life is good uh wins this race you know um I, like if you think about this the strategy of it is life is good going to go to the front and just air this field no flight line's faster so like it, it gets into a situation where what what strategy does life is good use 
sans flight line missing the break, that puts life is good in the best possible scenario to make up the, the talent gap that's between life is good and flight line. So I think it's going to be really tough for, for life is good to win. And that six to one price seems just wild to me. Um, I, I would probably have life as good as the fifth choice in this race, maybe fourth. Um, I, but right in that hot rod Charlie range, because I think that's really the, where you should see life is good from a price perspective. To me, it's Taba or it's Epicenter. And when you look at those two, you really have to make a decision of like the, the conversation comes down to Epicenter. And have we seen Epicenter's best or does Epicenter have the right to improve? And then Taba, how much can Taba improve? Because Taba has the right to improve because of the number of starts. Third time out in the Bob Baffert bar now in this cycle. Generally, you see a big time improvement. This is just a logical spot for Taba to step forward. The question is how much and, and can Epicenter get better? Yeah, I, 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 it's hard to imagine those two horses getting better based off of their efforts. I mean, one twelve and one hundred eight buyer. I mean, they just looked so impressive. Um, and and yeah, this is why you like Taba uh, over Epicenter. Is it probably Taba does not probably? I think he does have the most upside because it's Baffert and because Baffert wins this race with three year olds. Um, I did see people talking about in the chat a little bit. Country Grammar uh, is now out of the classic discussion. That's. I think Baffert saw what happened in the Pacific Classic and was like, I don't really need to do that again. So uh, thoughts on him skipping that? Or are you? Does it affect your betting or how you see this race play out at all? No, I mean, I, I really think this is a two-horse race personally. I mean, I, I'm not going to bury the lead here. I, I think Tabe is the only horse that has a shot to beat up or beat Flightline. I think this is interesting from Nick Pletcher saying, hey, we're just going to send Life is Good and see how it goes. Uh that is good for Taba in my mind, <laughs> because that's that's the way the Taba Epicenter wins here is that you you get uh, an early duel where Flightline has to go faster than he necessarily wants, and one of these two horses comes running from the back. Now the one thing I will say about Epicenter's one twelve as well in the Travers, if you go back and you watch the Magic Mike show covering that specific day, the dirt buyers were all inflated. So I, I don't now the Taba's one hundred eight to at park. So I, I can't really comment on how accurate that 108 is. Right. Um, and, and that's one of the things that we've talked about quite a bit on the show. You know, I'm, I'm a buyer handicapper, but I really put my own spin on some of these races than these buyers and look at the days and decide how accurate I think they actually are when I'm handicapping. Um, and that, that Travers day, I think is a, a pretty false buyer. I think it's, it's probably like 105, 106, somewhere in that range, but not necessarily all the way up at 112. Yeah, it was, uh, with 112, it was, I watched the replay because obviously it's going to be part of Aaron's uh, top five replays for the classic and the crowd noise. Holy smokes. I forgot how electric that crowd was. And it's almost like the crowd's electricity juiced up the buyer just a little bit. It's like how parks gets everything juiced up, but for you know a different reason. Um, Nick in the chat says, Pletcher already told us life is good's plan. He said, the only way to beat flight line is to make him come after him, make him run as fast early as possible. If you like Taba, if I like Epicenter, um, if, if, I mean, there's, it's so hard to make money at flight line. If you think there's a chance, if you want to take a flyer that he gets beat hearing that life is good. is just going to gun, gun, gun. I love that for both of our horses, whichever one, I mean, let them, let them duel out. Who is the best three-year-old right there? Maybe we'll have Taba and Epicenter both going past him like that. And by the way, uh, I see it brought up in the chat, Rich Strike. This is a good setup for Rich Strike. If he goes to the classic. Yeah, I, I would be. I really hope I'm going I'm to do a whole video on this on, on Rich Strike and where he will run next if it's the Clark or the Classic. I would kind of hope that it is the Classic for a couple reasons. First off, betting wise, I, I'm really I'm curious to understand what price life is, what price Rich Strike goes off in the Classic if he's there, because true odds, this horse is a massive price, right? He won't go off at twenty to one. I mean, I I, I think. I wouldn't be shocked if he goes off in single digits. And I think that horse should go off closer to 
60 to one in the tricks, right? Like the, the real price is somewhere in that, that range. And I've taken some, some, some heat for saying that he should be a lot higher of a price. And I thought his Travers was actually an excellent race. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, and then the, the Lucas classic, he followed it up also a good race kind of validated what he did in the Derby in those two spots. But still, I, I just, this is the, the waters are so much deeper than those two races here. Flight line is here. Older horses are here, right? It makes it a lot more difficult for him. I, I got to say, I'm shocked by the, the morning line prices here, too. I, I like, I want to say I'm really excited to play, you know, flight line into tables and exacta, but these morning line prices are so bad. Flight line at four to five is absurd. That horse is not, it like, it should be at highest one to two in the morning line, at absolute <laughs> highest. And more accurately, should probably be two to five or one to five because that's what that, what flight line is going to actually go off at. Um, so yeah, some of the competitors here at the bottom, cyber knife. I, I, I would say he goes to the dirt mile. Um, by the way, cyber knife is retiring after the breeders cup. So, um, wherever he goes, they're probably going to try and find the bet. They haven't, they haven't announced his stud fee just that he's going to stud. So with that in mind, Mike, I kind of hear and think they might go dirt mile because that breeders cup win is going to be a lot easier to happen in the dirt mile there. And it'll really boost um that stud value but let's move on we got the turf to talk about next uh i wanted to use the drf one because of the turf stuff because of the europeans uh they're into this a lot more than we are right now uh rebels romance right now is the five to two morning line favorite according to brad free here no argument from us charlie appleby has been uh, i think this horse is undefeated still on turf won the pre-von europa in germany which is group one um appleby brings over the best horse for this race it seems like almost every year don't you agree yeah, I mean, you, you got to respect Appleby with, with whoever he ships over here. Um, Rebels Romance is the one that we're hearing is coming now. So I, at, at that point, I think you got to trust this horse is deserving favorite. Tough to take any horse in the turf at five to two, but if you're going to taking an Appleby, yeah. it's a bad choice. Uh, Rebels Romance into flight line. Uh, usually the turf is right before the classic. That double is, uh, you can't really make much money there. Warlike Goddess is the four to one second choice here. By far the, the highest of the Americans. Um, I don't, yeah, to buy by the fact that buy by Melvin, by the way, is the second choice for the Americans at 10. There's just so much wrong with this, but, uh, <laughs> looking at, at who shows up here, I mean, Warlike Goddess, we know what she does against the Americans at a four to one price. And I think that's pretty fair for what she could be here. Uh, do you like her at that price? No, I, I think this is, I think this is way too low. I, I think she's got to be 10 to 12 to one, something like that. Uh, this this is a, a much more difficult field. I mean, last time we saw her, she was beating Gufo. Okay, I mean, what, what's Gufo in this spot, mm. right? Like th that that race was not that stacked when she faced the boys. It was a good test for her, but when she's sitting on the board at three to five in that spot against the, it kind of gives you an idea of how that how talented that field was. You turn around here and you're going against against the best turf forces in the world. We do have a couple shipping over in this spot. Four to one is too short. Gufo is not even off on the board. That's where Gufo is at in this race, in this uh, proverbial spot. Yeah, and I think Guf I'm pretty positive this hasn't been updated. I know DRF does it once a week, um, so they haven't had a chance to update. Gufo is not going to the Breeders' Cup. He's uh, just he kind of trailed off there at the end. Um, what was I going to talk about? The, the when you look at who else is coming over from Europe, I agree with you. Four to one when you've got even if two of the three of these horses, Rebels Romance, Mishriff, and Addy, are show up. Uh, four to one's gonna be too short for her. Mishriff, I'm actually disappointed. Five to one. I was looking for a better price on this horse because you see, he was 13th in the arc, but it was a really soft, boggy horse. And where he was positioned at, I watched a video someone had posted on Twitter of him just getting just completely demolished with wet, soggy turf the entire time. He couldn't see. Like clearly, there's just a scratch off effort for him. So I thought, well, man, if he, if he got 13th there and they send him here, 
he hasn't won this year. You know, maybe people will get ignore him. Five to one. I don't like that so much. I think you'll get higher than five to one. Okay. I, I think I think Mitch Trip will float up. This is generally a massive field. I mean, if you think about like last year with with Yabir winning, it was Matt like Broom was twenty to one on the morning line, ends up going off at eight to one. I think Yabir won at eleven to one, somewhere right in that range. You had fourteen horses that entered, and I think two scratched out, so it's a field of twelve of them. If I'm remembering correctly, like these are generally very, very big playable fields. I, I would be surprised if you're seeing Mishrif at five to one. Uh, I agree with Nixon by eight. Can't, I mean, boy, he lost the champion stakes race. And uh, that was one of the two big upsets we talked about at the top of the show. It'd be nice if they send him, but uh, the Gosdens train, uh, right? The Gosdens have him and they have Mishrif. So if Mishrif is coming, I'm not sure that would happen. Uh, Chris says Mishrif's coming over uh, a year too late. Yeah, it is true. I, he was amazing last year, winning on dirt turf all over the place. Um, how about this? We'll move on after this. But Nick brings up a good point. Who's riding world like goddess? Joel Rosario had been riding her all year. Julian Le Peru was her rider before. Jose Lascano picks up the mount last time out. And we kind of thought maybe Rosario didn't ride her that great two back. And he was out of town. So that's why Lascano picks up the mount. But are you going to like Lascano better? We kind of thought Rosario didn't ride her that great two back. <laughs> You mean it was one of the worst five worst rides in the history of horse racing? Is that what you're that what you're trying to say? Rosario screwed the pooch. That's the the whole thing. It was an awful ride. He like he deserved to be taken off the horse for it, and he didn't get taken off the horse for it. He, he was like you said at Keeneland. That's why he didn't ride Warlike Goddess. Lascano did a phenomenal job riding Warlike Goddess. He he put her closer to the pace than she had ever been. I believe she was sitting in third around the majority of the race. Made a move on the turn and just demolished him. I thought it was a fantastic ride from Lascano to make sure that he didn't essentially get caught in a race where. You were sitting with no pace in front of you and lose because someone goes gate to wire, which is exactly what Rosario did. And he also got her in trouble. Like it was a atrocious ride from Rosario to back. This race is it's tough because you generally have pace in this race because there are so many horses in this race. You don't see anyone walk a field in the Breeders' Cup generally when there's 12 horses, right? You're going to get at least one or two that want to go, want to push the pace. Generally, you've got a couple prices from the U.S. that are just faster that are in there to try and steal it up front. Bye-bye, Melvin. You highlighted is a very good example <laughs> of that type of U.S. horse that will go to the lead and was actually the, the one who set the pace against Warlike Goddess and ended up running second um, over the weekend at Backwaduck. So I don't think this is as important of a spot to forwardly place the horse because I think there's going to be more speed than what we saw this weekend at Backwaduck. Um, and you got like the wide where Riscario screwed the pooch was a five horse field and someone walked the front, right? The, la the race we just saw was a six horse field. And, and that's why Warlike Goddess was more forwardly placed. So I don't worry about it as much. Rosario's a good closing jockey. Uh, you probably are putting Rosario back on the horse. Leperu one on this horse. Like, I, Warlike Goddess is just good. I don't, like, as long as the jockey doesn't get her in trouble, then she's phenomenal. And that's, that's the key is, is, you know, are we going to get in trouble or not? 12 horse field coming from the back makes it a lot more likely. Never had an issue really with how Julian Le Peru rode her last year. I was, I mean, I know Rosario is an upgrade over virtually every jockey in the world, but, um, yeah, I, I was a little surprised by it. I don't know what the details, maybe Le Peru wasn't around for something, but, uh, let's talk now about the distaff. A lot of people have been talking about in the chat since before we even got started here. Uh, we've got two Tata Pletchers on top, Nest two to one, Melanth at five to two, very clearly separated from search results society. We're all team Nest here at the racing dudes, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't trust Malathot at that price. And you're going to get about the same price, I think, on Malathot and Nest. Uh, I've already I've already watched the movie where I bet money on Malathot and she loses the distaff in a race she should have won. I don't really need to watch that movie again. 
Uh, <laughs> Ness should be six to five in this spot, somewhere in that range. And if you're getting around two to one, I think it's a great value. Malathat adding the blinkers and improving mm -hmm. off of that is, is the one concern I have. I mean, she's been significantly better since she put the blinks on. And, and you saw it, especially the second and third time she wore them. This will be the fourth time. Um, I'm hoping that that means she takes money and that that's what gets you a little bit better of a price on Nest. Because I, it, to me, it's those top three that I'm most interested in. Nest, Malathat, search results. I, I just I don't trust Malathat. I, and Nest has been phenomenal. And, and she's done it easily and able to, to do it on wet tracks, dry tracks, like everywhere. So I, I don't have any issues with Nest here. I think she's a, a deserving favorite. Uh, a couple more points. Malathat is three for three at Keeneland and a four-year-old daughter of Curlin. I mean, they are both Curlins, but being four, you know, they're known for getting better as they get older. So some things to like about her. I think this, you think you can make very fair, strong arguments for either one of these horses to win it. I'm Team Ness. Malathat has a grinding never kind of stop move. Ness is just, she's got that kick. When she needs to turn it on to either go after somebody or to take off from somebody, she can do that. Malathat doesn't really do that. So, um, you know, I, I'm with you on that one. Uh, I, Vinny Blonde from uh, Real Dynasty Picks did a couple of videos for us at, on our YouTube channel, which are doing great, by the way. Lots of people watching this and, and talking about it. If you haven't yet, go check them out. He did one about horses that he's really excited to play for the Breeders' Cup. One of his biggest favorites or horses he's willing to or excited to play against is search results here. She's the third choice, five to one for Chad Brown here. Um, she is going to have to go a mile and an eighth, which might be hard for her going uh, if she tries to go on the front end. And if she tries to go fast early, society's also going to be there with her as well. So search results, do you think she's a play or are you looking to fade her? She's all about the pace setup here. Um, pace setup and draw. You have to remember, search results faced Latruska in multiple races where she was going longer distances against older fillies, and Latruska is not going to be there. And Latruska was a problem for search results, just like search results was a problem for Latruska. Um, the fact that neither of them are going to be around makes it easier, or that Latruska is not going to be around, it's going to make it easier for search results on the front end. Now, if society goes and gets a little crazy out there, then then things could change, right? And that's how it also like the draw is going to make a difference here. If society draws outside of search results, search results most likely gets the lead. And then it's all about how easy that lead is going to be. Um, we'll see what happens. You also have like Clarier in here for Asterson and society mm -hmm. for Asterson. When you have a horse like Clarier that's going to come from off it, you got to think if whoever's riding society, the instructions are going to be gun it, go. Like I don't like yep. take it to search results because we have a horse that's coming from the back that I want to make sure the pace setup is there. And I don't want society sitting in second letting search results run slowly around the track up front, right? So we'll see what the end of the actual draw is and we'll see who's in the race. But if search results gets to be lone speed, I'm interested. If search results is not lone speed, then I think she's a good play underneath because I've been very impressed with the gutsiness she's had of holding on to second or third in races where she set grueling paces, but I'm not really interested in her winning at that point. Uh, you talked about a little bit and Charles B brings it up too. If Clarier goes... Watch out. She's being forgotten. And if it's if if Nest loses this race somehow, Malathat at five to two, I, that's not a price I want to take there. So um, I really think that Clarier, if she rebounds from that race, uh, was it the personal incident when she just had a misfire. And the notes here on DRF says she sustained a cut tongue so, or, or she uh, cut her tongue while she was screwing around at the gate. And you remember, she never ran a lick that day. We were like, something's off. If they bring her back from that straight into the distaff, that tells me she's riding or she's training very well. Uh, she had to work yesterday, 59 and four bullet uh, best of 34 at Keeneland. Um, yeah, I think Clarier is probably going to be my second choice after Nest. Another four-year-old daughter of Curlin, just like Malathat too, really improving at the right times here.
Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in Clarier, especially at these prices, right? I mean, if you're if you're staring at six to one and five to two, I'll take Clarier over Malafat, right? If they're both yeah. four to one, I think then it's, it's a little more difficult for me. But at six to one and five to two, it's not that tough of a choice. And like Clarier, uh, probably probably a good uh, tournament horse here, right? Because you're not going to, I mean, maybe, I don't think Secret Oath has any shot at winning. So, yeah, if, if, to me, in my mind, Clarier is probably the good the tournament go-to here because you're going to get 6-7-1 to one on a horse that's probably the second best and, and could win. Let's talk about race. I know that uh, we've been pretty excited about for a while, the Turf Mile, uh, also known as the Mile here. And a big reason for that, Modern Games, uh, boy, if he shows up for this one, the winner of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf last year looked as good as ever winning the Woodbine Mile win and you're in. For this event, he's tagged as the five to two favorite. He's probably going to be seven to five. All right, Mike. I don't think five to two is. I don't think we're going to be very close on that. No, I mean lost over the weekend, so maybe that helps the price a little bit, but I doubt it. Like modern, <laughs> everyone remembers modern games from last year because of the fiasco that was the last race on Friday at Del Mar as well. Um, and and there's a lot of people that were betting him last year excitedly. I think there's going to be a lot of people that want to throw some money in on him this year again. We'll see what ends up in this race because we've heard a lot of rumors about the mile and who's going to show up here as well. But it's you're going to need to have a couple heavy hitters that, that like will sit at that five to one price and take money. Like you see Regal Glory sitting there at five to one. You need like three or four of those to try and hold up this five to two price. I'm just not sure we're going to get that many horses that people are excited to bet when they're sitting on the board at seven or eight to one. That will help modern games float up to a number that's that's like sub eight to five. Or above eight to five, because I think you're just going to see seven to five, eight to five, maybe leave a little shorter. Uh, you see, Regal Glory's listed in here in Italian. Um, if she shows up for, I we think we were thinking Philly Ameritur for her, and she's not listed, so that's probably where they're listing her as well. Order of Australia won this race two years ago over this course, uh, coming into this with a very similar work or, or record pattern. Uh, 12 to one, we're not going to get 73 to one when he was the also eligible that fell into this, but this feels like a spot where, um, as much as we love modern games, if it's not him, you really want to go looking for a big price. Do you have any interest in Annapolis at six to one? Cause he just won the turf mile. I do have interest in Annapolis, um, six to one. Yeah, it's a little short. I was, I was, I was hoping for double digits on Annapolis. Um, but this is a horse that we really liked it too, that missed the breeders cup at two. And then comes back at three and, and and has slowly gotten better and better and then just saw a massive jump the last two races. Those last two races were big time steps forward, three-year-old, late in the season, incredible turf breeding. Like I, everything points to this horse getting better. It's a big step up. That's the thing. And, and, and yes, you know, just won a, a grade one at Keeneland. Um, and that was phenomenal mile there. But now you're taking another step forward here. And it's, it's what the question is, can we take that big time jump to be up with the modern games level type horses? We have not seen that race, but I think if you can make the case for anyone who hasn't run it, that could run it. In this case, I, I think that Annapolis is a good example of who could pop, jump up. You're muted, Magic. Sorry. They came out earlier today. They haven't had a chance to update yet at DRF. Domestic spending. For Chad Brown, this is the horse that uh, almost won the Breeders' Cup turf, what, uh, 16, uh, 17 years ago, something like that. And he's been training. We, we knew, what, about a month and a half, two months ago, he was back in training. And Chad Brown said he could come back to, for the mile. I, I don't know about that. That's, that's a horse that seems like a mile and an eight. That's a good prep race for him to come back at. But I don't know. What do you think about domestic spending? How does that affect you when you look at this race? Um, it's a head scratcher, to be honest. 
I mean, I, I'm going to have to, I'm not a big, like watch the workout guy. I'll probably watch some of domestic spendings workouts just because we haven't seen him in so long. Generally in these spots, what I say is look, Chad Brown's not putting him in here just because he thinks the horse is ready. He's got to think the horse is going to fire an A shot, right? So if that's the case, then I'm going to look at domestic spending as, you know, being himself. And, and is that good enough to win this race? I mean, the talent's there. I agree with you. The distance is probably a little shorter than I'd, I'd want. But again, as a, a comeback race here, I, I, I would demand value. We'll put it that way. I probably want like 12, 15 to one. I don't think I'm going to get it. As we get closer to the Breeders' Cup, again, if you haven't yet, subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash racing dudes, because we're going to be doing some more in-depth looks at the Europeans. As we get closer, we start to understand who is really going to be pot committed for this, and we can actually devote the time and energy into analyzing those horses. So we'll have replay analyses and, and some breakdowns of, of the horses and their chances and their running styles. So we'll make it easier for you when you're handicapping. You don't have to try and go look for all of the stuff and understand the French and German announcers. Uh, let's move on, Mike. We got the Breeders' Cup sprint to talk about. Big heavy favorite, Jackie's Warrior. His career finale, 7-5 to five here. Uh, Jack Christopher, if he goes here, is 4-1. to one. Kamari, if she goes here, 5-1. to one. That's an interesting choice. Jackie's Warrior, 7-5. to five. What do you think? This race is all going to hinge, like, it is going to hinge around who else shows up from a speed perspective. I mean, we saw Jackie's Warrior lose this race last year, sandwiched in between two other horses, going 21 and change, 43 and change. We saw an absolute collapse, and Aloha West comes up, picks up the pieces. We've seen that multiple times. We have not seen a sprint winner go gate to wire in a while. Right now, I don't see the pressure for Jackie's Warrior when you look down this list. Right. And that doesn't mean there won't be that pressure, but you need two horses most likely to go with Jackie's warrior to create a situation where it's likely that he loses. Um, at seven to five, I'm not like running to the window here, though, because like I think I think Jack Christopher is really interesting at four to one. If you get that type of price for a horse that's shown that he does not need the lead, one turn is fine, has all the tactical speed in the world and then can can absolutely put it into another gear down the lane. Kamari, I think, is a little bit interesting. If you have that pace setup where you have two or three horses go, Kamari makes a ton of sense sitting there, and she loves Keeneland. So I, I, I think there's multiple places you could go. I, I liked American Theorem 2 back when he won at 7-1. to one. That was one of the races I previewed for the site, and that was the pick mm -hmm. there. I, I, I think American Theorem has a shot if you have these other horses that want to go early, and that really is going to be the key. Like, And the thing is, you look at this. Gunite is probably the other one that goes. Well, that's another Ashton horse. Are they really going to go and kill each other? No, like that's that's not going to happen. Gunite's going to sit off in second, right where Jack Christopher's going to be. So it, you have to get other top tier speed in here. And every year we've had cheap speed along with some of these faster, really good sprinters. We don't have that on this list right now. That's going to be the key is do we get one or two of those horses inserted? Watch out for Willie Boy from Florida if he shows up. That horse, that horse likes to burn uh for jorge delgado so I, I don't think he's got a chance to sorry watch out for him to screw with the pace that's what i meant don't i don't think he's got a chance in hell to win i was distracted by manny while getting an 89 for winning the phoenix that is holy hell that's a really bad number for a uh breeder's cup winning your in race that's really bad um elite power not a great number either only got a 91 for the vosberg um th that'll keep him from being over bet as you see 10 to 1 there 91 is going to scare some people off. Uh, we'll find out more. we got to wait for Chad Brown to decide what he wants to do about Jack Christopher. But uh, any other horses in the sprint division? No. I mean, I think this is this is pretty good. I, it, to me, it looks like – I think it is – based if this is the field 
and everything we're hearing, it, I Nick is Nick is right. We're, we're hearing the lean is the mile. If this is the field, then Jackie's Warrior probably wins at four to five, three to five, somewhere in that range. If Jack Christopher's not there. <laughs> All right, let's move on, Mike. The next one on the list. Let's see what do we got. Boop a doop a doo. Philly Mayor Turf. All right, we're gonna talk about in Italian the Chad Brown uh, two two race win streak, three race wins. She's won a lot of races and she does a gate to wire. Um, she is the highest American at six to one. But you have Dream Loper who might go to the mile, but they're also thinking Philly Mayor Turf above the curve. Nashua. Uh, all listed here for the uh, for the Philly Mirror Turf. Uh, it's hard to know. I don't know much about the Europeans that are listed here, Mike. So let's just focus. Unless you do, let's just talk about the Americans in Italian. Uh, six to one for a horse that you know is going to go straight to the lead and try and take him gate to wire. Is that the right price for her? Probably. We'll see who else is in there. Um, man, I didn't like this horse at all before that Diana. And I was skeptical about that, Diana. But that that race again back at Keeneland this weekend was phenomenal. And that's the thing is that you, you saw her take that step forward at a mile, which is a distance she struggled at earlier in the year, goes to Diana, wins a mile and an eighth, and, and carried that speed wildly impressive. I mean, broke, broke the track record, right? Went four, 22 and change, 45 and change, 109 and change, going a mile and a quarter over the turf and never even slowed down a, a lick. It Like she was just gone the entire time. I was at the track that day watching that race and I'm like, oh, she's screwed. 109? No way. Like we're not going to hold this speed. She just kept going. And the key is she gets loose and she's comfortable and she's got this cruising speed where she just gets out there and no one can catch her. She probably doesn't need to go 22 45 to be loose in this race, right? Like that's the thing is that if she can go out there and she can go 23 47, man, I don't want to try and run her down in the lane. You know what I mean? And and I'll need to watch these Europeans that end up running in here. The replays are your friend. YouTube is your friend. Google the horse's name and the date of the race. And 99% of the time, our, our channel will be your friend. We'll okay, have all go. that Magic, for you. Magic, our channel will be your friend on YouTube, where we'll have a lot of these replays up of these horses so that you can watch them run. And we're going to do previews of these races and talk about it. And Magic will clip in videos of that. But a big key is watching those races to figure out what the pace play is right and, and do the horses want to go to the front or not because if, if there isn't a european that wants to go to the front and she gets out there and she's just happily galloping along she can be worse than these european horses and win the race because she'll have that pace edge so yeah i mean in italian to me is, is the one u.s horse i'm interested in here six to one feels a little short um but i i I'm probably not leaving her off at six or seven to one on my tickets. We'll put it that way. Uh, the only thing that could screw up, possibly screw up in Italian, is going to Vegas draws the rail or something. But even then, uh, going, going to, to Vegas, Vegas isn't as fast. I was just going to say, she's not nearly as fast, really. In Italian's got that natural, just, you know, a newspaper of record was that way. Another Chad Brown trainee that when she would get out of the gate, off she goes. Um, I think that uh, Michael Austin, there's people agreeing in the chat, but. Play the Euros, you play in Italian, move on in that one. So uh, we'll worry about the uh, Euros as we get a little closer here. Let's go talk about the Dirt Mile. I don't think we're going to have too many Euros in this one. Uh, Laurel River, wow, Laurel River, 5-2 to two favorite right now. Um, <laughs> Brad Free, uh, he knows Bob Baffert. Yeah, Jack Christopher, if he goes, is 4-1. to one. Knight, if he goes, is 5-1. to one. Cody's Wish, 6-1. to one. I think, you know, if you like Cody's Wish, you really want Jack Christopher and Knight to both go so that you can get 6-1 to one on him there. 5-2. Uh, to two. Lower River's my top pick, but that is a oof. That's a that's an inflated buyer causing too short of a price for me. 
Yeah, I'm probably Jack Christopher here um, at those prices, five to two and four to one. Um, I have no interest in Gunite at five to one. I, I probably don't have any interest in Cody's Wish at six to one either. Um, so it, and I get your hype on Laurel River as well. I thought Laurel River was an interesting choice in the, the was it the Bing Crosby the sprint race that, that he ran prior to the, uh, the Pat uh, O'Brien is a sprint, but it's for the dirt mile. But in the race prior to the Pat O'Brien, he was in against American Theorem, and and I think he ran second in that spot. Um, I'll look it up. Uh, anyway, yeah, I I, I, ha- I think Laurel River is interesting. Um, I I still respect Jack Christopher more because the body of work than what we've seen from Laurel River, but uh, I understand. Well, I don't understand the five to two price. We'll see what <laughs> this actually goes off. Because I also think Jack Christopher gets bet heavily in this spot, and then my opinion may have to adjust because I I don't think Jack Christopher is four to one in any world. Any world without that life is good is not in the dirt mile. Jack Christopher's not four to one. Um, yeah, I, I, I would expect Jack Christopher's like seven to five in this race. So I, I think these these morning lines kind of skew the opinion of that. Uh, I will say this though: look, if you get Laurel River, Jack Christopher, and Cody's Wish, this is the best version of the dirt mile we've seen in a while. Because you had life is good last year and nothing. And like it, it, two years back, I can't remember who was the heavy favorite. Uh, Omaha Beach was in it a couple years ago and nothing, right? And Omaha Beach lost, yeah. ironically, but. Yeah, you've generally had poor fields in this spot, and this is a, a pretty good field, especially if you get Cyberknife too, and, and like highly motivated and pipeline, not slouches, you know. So, uh, to me, the, the the at least the dirt mile is interesting this year, where it's been, as Aaron put it, the redheaded stepchild of the the uh, <laughs> Breeders' Cup races on Thursday. Yeah, Michael, uh, loving that Jack Christopher Laurel River and Cyberknife; those are good uses there. Um, yeah, this is shaping up to be a well, especially because you have so many people who are scared of flight line and they're like, have no Ginobili, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I well, it he was second, he it yeah. actually wasn't a bad bet because he was chasing the closest and then just quit because while well, he was chasing, life was good. It was a great example of hammering an exacta in like the BCBC. And on that note, uh, Chris, Chris, wonderful run this weekend uh, at the Keeneland tournament, was in the lead, uh, I think it was like three races or four races left. And just just missed uh, closing that thing out. So so excellent run this weekend, Chris. Oh, Almost got it done there. Damn. I did see. I forget who it was. If you're in the live chat, say so, or or if you're, uh, let me know in the comments. If not, um, somebody knocked out Doctor Tang. They got second, and Doctor Tang was third. They beat him out for uh, for some sort of. I think it was like a qualifier. There it is. Yeah. Uh, Tom, Tom beat out Dr. Tang for a flow cal seat on Saturday. I was fortunate enough to get one on Sunday. It's been a blast the last couple of weeks because there've been people there on Twitter who've tagged us and said, Hey, I got into tournaments. Tom O'Connor, congratulations. I'll see you there now. We're both qualified. Uh, it's been a blast to see people say, Hey, I started playing tournaments because of us talking about tournaments and because of the tournament challenge, things like that. It is a phenomenal way to bet the horses, especially on days where you're like, Hey, I don't want to spend a ton of money, but I want to have interest in all these different races and, and, Saturdays was a great card to play. It had a lot of Aqueduct, a lot of Keeneland. Sunday's a lot of fun as well. So make sure you're checking out those tournaments. There's going to be a tournament challenge for racing dudes on the Breeders' Cup Day. We're going to have all of the Breeders' Cup races for the Racing Dudes Tournament Challenge. One in every five people qualify for a $500 free roll. That's going to be on uh, the 26th, I believe it was, uh, of December. So make sure you're checking that out. Follow RacingDudes.com. Subscribe to the Inner Circle emails, and you'll get updates on when those tournaments are going to be. Chris also says it was a tour de force and how not to bet the last five races of a live match. Hey, listen, you got to learn somehow, buddy. I'm sorry it was in that format, but you got to 
And uh, there you go, Tom. A $28 qualifier to another, to another. And now he's got a 15 That's the Mike Samich way of qualifying. Congratulations. You just passed. Mike. You graduated from the Mike Samich School of Tournament Play. <laughs> it's fun, man. It's it's a blast when you have, like, these. you take these little amounts of money and you have a shot at these massive pools now. Because that the, the one that he's talking about is FloCal. Um, it's, it's a Florida, California. I think it's going to be Gulfstream, Santa Anita. Two-day tournament in January. 1500 bucks to enter. There'll be $600,000 in that prize pool. The winner's going to go home with over with probably like 150,000 somewhere in there and he's in it for 28 bucks now that's, that's incredible it's a blast and it's a lot of fun to play that tournament too it's one of the best tournaments to play well, as mike says likes to say you just play with house money just you go heaven and, and the lack of stress with that is if you're not committed for already a couple hundred dollars that's 28 bucks like it's just take some shots and maybe you'll actually get some good ones uh curious if you have any interest in taking a shot in the breeders cup turf sprint golden pal two to one favorite Highfield Princess is three to one, and she, as it says here, the winner of three consecutive Group Ones overseas. Um, Holly Doyle is the rider for this horse, and the two of them. Holly Doyle, by the way, I'm excited to watch her when she comes to the Breeders' Cup because she is riding as well as anybody in Europe right now. But uh, looking through this field, uh, Golden Pal clearly the favorite. What price does he actually go off at? Four to five. Yeah. Right. See, sub even money seems very fair. Three, four to five. I will. Everyone who's, well, and this is interesting. I guess he, he regressed on the rag sheet. Uh, we, we had a, a longtime listener who tweeted about that right before the show. Um, so that may be a reason why people then decide to try and play against him. Or Darren, that's who it was. Darren tweeted that before the show um, that he regressed on the rag sheet. So, so maybe people try and beat him there. Look, I tried to beat him last year. I felt like an idiot when he reached that palm tree before anyone else. And like, if you, if you haven't watched, go back and watch the Breeders' Cup sprint from last year, turf sprint from last year, watch the break no. and watch that freaking palm tree and how fast he gets to it. And he's open by two lengths. Magic tried to play against him last time. Cause he quote unquote, couldn't break anymore. He broke just fine. <laughs> I used him in case he had a third straight poor break or used, used him defensively. Yes. There you go. So look, I, I think that you're going to see a very nice performance here again from him. He loves this Keeneland racetrack. Five and a half furlongs is a better distance for him than if we were going six somewhere. So you have the, a good distance, good racetrack. And like every time you're like, oh, but there's so much speed. There's not Golden Pal speed. It's just not. And that's the thing is that he beats yeah. everybody to the lead, gets comfortable. And then all of a sudden everyone chasing him gets discouraged. And like, we're like, well, you know, someone could just quarter horse out of there and go with him. He goes 21 and change in his sleep. It's ridiculous. So. I, I, this is one of those where, like, look, I tried to beat him last year. I, I don't think I'm going to try and beat him this year. It's just so, I mean, you, well, you brought it up. I tried to make up a reason to play someone with him, and I thought it was a valid excuse, valid reason of, of any that you could come up with at this point. It didn't matter. Uh, the horse is one from maybe if, I mean, breaking from the rail, maybe that is a little hard for him because you're going to have a huge field, everybody breaking. But again, if he breaks as fast as he always seems to do when he's, you know, I rad's paying attention, like, you know, he should be all right. So yeah, it's hard. We'll talk about this a little bit more because we, you know, we don't know what euros are coming over. It always seems to be a bit in flux uh, with this division, the Philly mayor sprint, Mike, we can get through this one pretty quickly. Uh, Kamari is pre-entered in both or should go into both the sprint and the Mare sprint. I think she's going to go to the sprint. It seems that's the way Wesley Ward is leaning with her, which then puts CC, your defending champion, as your four to one lukewarm favorite. Good night, Olive, five to one. I know Aaron's very excited about her. A lot of this could come down to the pace setup because Obligatory is a horse that I know you've used a lot in the past. 
and seven furlongs. It's good for a horse like Obligatory. Good for a horse like Goodnight Olive. How do you see this division? Uh, I'm interested in Goodnight Olive. I'm interested in Obligatory. This is all going to be all about the pace setup. This race traditionally creates just balloons. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked if we see that again this year, where it's going to be a horse at a decent price. You know, and, and you know, double digits here on, on either the five or the six. Mm -hmm. or, I'm sorry, Goodnight Olive or Obligatory. Five to one or six to one produces a twelve or fourteen dollar winner. So you're looking at double digits there. I don't like Cece. Uh, I think Cece's going to get overbet in this spot. Um, I, she had everything go her way last year, and she had a, a heavy favorite that just didn't show up, and that kind of allowed her to be able to – or was, was dueled into submission, I should say, and that allowed her to be able to win the race. And I think that she's going to take money off of this, especially without Kamari in the field. So I'll, I'll look against Cece and try and find a horse that I think is going to get the right setup, and that's either someone who's going to be slow up front or coming from the back. The fact that this race is seven furlongs and not six, I think, is a massive key in this spot, right? It, it, you, that's why you see a lot of these sprinters come out here and just not hang on as well. And then that seventh furlong means the horse is coming out of a mile race or horses like Obligatory, who are seven furlong specialists, end up running very well in these spots. Uh, we're curious to see how the pace shows up. Uh, Edgeway doesn't have the buyers that really make her much of a player, but... Uh, she did, you know, beat Slammed. That was that epic battle with Slammed in the Rancho Bernardo when Slammed came back to win the TCA. And it says here, a big drill at Santa Anita. Uh, John Sadler's going to have flight line. He's going to send Edgeway as well, I'm sure. Uh, and then you see Slammed here as well. So we'll see how things play out from a pace perspective. Let's go over to the juveniles is, here. Is Echo Zulu uh, confirmed for that race? Actually, yes. Echo Zulu is going to be in the sprint, uh, the Mare sprint. She could be interesting. Yeah. Um, because we know Echo Zulu can go two turns, can get a mile and a 16th. It gets a little wonky when you're going further than that, but at seven furlongs, a horse that's that fast, that's running this distance, um, I, I wouldn't completely chuck Echo Zulu out, and you're going to get every bit of 10 to 1 on her because of what we've seen from her this year. I just hope we really, looking at this long list of possible horses, it reminds me we had five horses for this stupid race last year, so hopefully we actually get a good field. Uh, the yeah. Juvenile... The but, chat mentioning too, Lady Rocket. That's going to be another speed horse. Slammed, obviously, speed horse. So there, there is going to be quite a bit of speed there. Yeah. The uh, juvenile Cave Rock, speaking of speed, eight to five favorite here. If you can get him at eight to five, book it now. Um, Logins, I heard, may or may not go to the juvenile. They're not sure. It would be a big push for him. I understand that if they want to maybe wait for the Kentucky Jockey Club at the end of November, if they're thinking three year old season with him, that's probably the move they make. Uh, but we're all big Cave Rock fans over at racingdudes.com. Well, not all of us, apparently. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, th those of us who are full-time employees or have ownership <laughs> stake in the racing dudes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I I like Cave Rock in this spot. I just put out a top five list. Um, I, I think National Treasure is the second best two-year-old right now in the country. And you're seeing National Treasure down there. I think people, a lot of people are going to be thinking about Loggins and Forte and remembering that Breeders' Futurity at Keeneland where they just banged heads and you're going to have the two of them take money. Look, National Treasure's second place behind behind Cave Rock to me was more impressive than Forte's win in the Breeders' Futurity. So I, I think that I'm hoping I get somewhere on eight to one and I can just hammer this Baffert exacta and we can we can close that that first day in the BCBC with a big time Cave Rock into National Treasure exacta. The uh, 97 buyer for chasing Cave Rock around the track. And second, that's better than what Forte and Loggins got. Forte now back-to-back -back 92s. Uh, I mean, it's juveniles. It's, they can easily take a step forward or regress at the drop of a hat there. Uh, I, blazing set. Sorry, go ahead. I will say, I don't like Loggins in this race. 
if he enters simply because Logan's running style is going to be hampered by cave rock, whereas Forte is coming from off the pace will not. So mm -hmm. in, in the breeders cup juvenile, I would be much more interested in Forte than Logan's long-term. I think I'm more interested in Logan's than Forte, but because of the way this specific race sets up, I just, I feel like it's a bad spot for him. I think, look, if Brad Cox is thinking about passing, it kind of tells you what he thinks about this spot for Logan's. Uh, he also has verifying, uh, don't forget, had that really impressive debut at Saratoga. Um, probably didn't like the slop in the champagne, but if verifying shows up, and especially if Loggins doesn't, interesting horse to consider underneath. Uh, Curly Jack is in there. Uh, Blazing Sevens, a son of good magic. Uh, also didn't like the slop in the champagne, or just really just didn't like the champagne. Um, but he did, or I'm sorry, the, what was the race? Not the champagne, the one before it, the hopeful. Um, but does it come back in the, uh, the champagne? So, uh, he's a son of good magic. Good magic was really solid at two turns. Blazing seven seems like a horse that's built for two turns. Uh, not to compare him to Zane in terms of running style, but a Chad Brown horse that could probably hit third, right? Blazing sevens. I got a little interest in Blazing Sevens. You're going to get the setup. Um, I had him in the champagne there, got a nice price on him. And the whole reasoning was it looked like a race that could collapse. Look, that's the same thing you're seeing here. If, if Cave Rock loses, it's because Cave Rock quits because they went too fast. Now, I don't think that's going to happen, but that is the, the way that, that this goes down. Um, and, you know, National Treasure was going to be forwardly placed, right? Loggins would be forwardly placed if he's there. And all of a sudden you have three horses that, are, that are, have speed. Yeah, you could see someone come from off the pace. The problem is that I, I think that he's a poor man's version of Forte who was planning on being in the race. So it'd be tough for Blazing Sevens to beat Forte when I think Forte is better and we'll get the exact same setup. Those Iroquois horses, I think traditionally don't, uh, in the last 10 years, really do not do well when they go to the Breeders' Cup. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's take a look. At we'll skip the turf races, so we'll end here on the juvenile fillies. Uh, Raging Sea is going to be pointed to this race. I just saw the uh, headline up there. For Chad Brown, and uh, she was the pick for, uh, I think, most everybody to win the Alcibiades Stakes. Uh, didn't get the job done. Had a weird step and then still kind of kept running. She gets DQ'd, but, you know, a really good effort there overall. Now she's going to go uh, her third start of the form cycle, whereas Wonder Wheel, Chop Chop, that was their third start in the Alcibiades Stakes. So Raging Sea, 6-1, to one, your top pick? Are those buyers right? That's got to be 83 for Wonder Wheel in the Alice. Yeah. 73. That doesn't make any sense. Um, look, I like Raging Sea the most of these horses. I think the upside on Raging Sea is there. Third start, second off the layoff, third, third career mm -hmm. start. It makes a ton of sense that Raging Sea would take a step forward. I also like the fact that Raging Sea has tactical speed where we saw Chop Chop have absolutely none of that last time out in a race that's kind of devoid of speed. Uh, Wonder Wheel kind of inherited the lead in the Alcibiades by holding the rail and drawing the rail. If Wonder Wheel doesn't draw the rail or draw inside of all the speed, I'm really interested to see what kind of trip you end up with her. I'm going to not play Wonder Wheel here. I think it's it's she's nine to two, so a very lukewarm favorite. But in my mind, is one that you can leave out. Um, it'd be interesting to see if there's anyone at a price you can get. I'm a little interested in Atomically, who's coming over. Um, it, I think ran didn't Atomically run second last weekend. I'll look it up. I know she was running in all of the Florida Sire states. I oh, know I'm thinking of uncontrollable. I'm sorry. I'm I'm a little interested yeah. in uncontrollable down there at 20 to 1 for Mike McCarthy for Rapoli, who is a Philly that he sent out west of the West Coast horses. That is the only one I would be interested in, uh, specifically because Rapoli generally pretty good uh selecting Phillies. I thought it was interesting he sent one out to McCarthy. Uh generally the Phillies are bad from the West here. We've seen that the last couple of years in both divisions, the older and the younger. So um I, I We'll see what happens, but I, to me, Raging Sea is probably the pick right now. I'm a little interested in Chop Chop and then a little interested in Uncontrollable. 
a little worried that Chop Chop might get a little too much steam steam after that effort there. Sometimes when horses yes. have a big effort, um, and that was, again, third start, third career start, I'm worried that she's going to get over bet. Um, I am I, interested I, in who ends up being the speed here, I should say. This this is a field that you could see an upset winner go gate to wire. Yep. Um, and, and there's not – because Wonder Wheel is kind of cheap speed there. And I guess, yeah, Chocolate Gelato too. we got to talk about Chocolate Gelato. Um, she's phenomenal. She she – she could be very, very tough in this spot. And she has some speed if she needs it. So, yeah, Chocolate Gelato is another one that, that's going to be tough. Uh, I was laughing here at the end, telling me no lies, that her buyer figures keep coming up soft. 71, 73, 53. But Miller, quote, pays the same. I just read that. You're like, you dirty rat bastard. <laughs> it's like, eh, I juiced her up to get her there. That's fine. We're going to get paid. Um, all right, let's close that out, Mike. Uh, the other races we'll uh, we'll come back to once we have a better idea. But thank you so much for joining us to go through the Breeders' Cup uh, divisions. We got through just about everything. Everybody in the chat, you guys were awesome. Uh, loving all of the uh, the comments. Sorry, we didn't get to everybody, but we were reading them. It just you know the show be you know it'd be another episode of Blinkers Off if we just sat here and uh, went through all the comments and be that long. So, uh, Mike, we're gonna close things out. But uh, I know Wednesday we got another edition of Dudes Who Bet Daily. I'm so mad I didn't go 3-0 over the weekend. I was so mad about that one. But the Falcons, I should have picked the Falcons to win outright. That was a good effort. Yeah, they, they, the, I was I was on the Niners midweek. And then it just kept getting worse and worse and worse for the Niners. And then, the, I don't know if you watched the game, they were without four defensive starters going into that game. And they lost four defensive starters in the first quarter. So eight of their 11 Ooh. defensive starters ended up not playing the second through fourth quarter. Now, they gave up points in the second quarter in the third quarter as well so uh or they give up points in the first quarter before those four starters were out but a tough spot there for san francisco to just get hampered by those injuries great pick on the on atlanta there that was never a loser they were they were always in control of that game uh aaron gets home uh the three touchdowns there for allen in, in the feature game of the day excellent game bills bills and chiefs uh interesting to see how the defenses change strategy and really try to keep everything in front of them let both teams run which slowed the game down quite a bit and the points down quite a bit and our Giants magic, five and one on a six and a half win total. We only need two more now. Can we get this done here by like week 10 and just call it a day? You jokingly had said that when we're like, you can do this by this, but we looked at the schedule in that earlier episode of Magic Mike Show. And yeah, it's looking pretty good. Um, uh, there's also, you know, that the Eagles are looking solid, but the fact that the Giants are continuing to like, you know, it wasn't just, hey, we beat the Titans. We're looking strong early. We're going to fall apart. They're doing pretty well. Uh, so we had Dr. Tings riding that bet with us too. So uh, I mean, before we get out of here, injury away from being the best team in the NFC, uh, NFC East, which is kind of crazy to think about. My, Although if, if Hurts only... stays healthy, they're not better than Philly. Philly will win that division if Hurts because their their schedule is is cupcakes as well. My my fantasy hopes this year ride solely on Jalen Hurts. So if if I have to take one for the team, so that the Giants can cash that what seven and a half to one division winner bet. That's fine. Monday Night Football thoughts. Forget out of here, buddy. Yeah, uh, Denver's playing, so I hate the game. <laughs> my, my three biggest losses this year have been Denver in primetime. Once with them, twice against them. Uh, I'm sorry, twice with them, once against them. Um, look, the Chargers are a better team. Russell Wilson went to L.A. on Tuesday of last week to get a – I'm sorry, Saturday of last week to get a plasma injection into his shoulder. Generally takes 10 days for that plasma injection to kick in. Uh, not a good sign that he went and got it because that tells you the injury was serious and it hasn't been 10 days yet. So he's not going to actually feel the effects of it. I don't like 
Denver really should not win this game. Their offense isn't very good. They should be shut down in that that aspect of it. The Chargers have one of the best uh, DVOA offenses in the, in the league. They've got a top 10 scoring offense. They've got a top 10 play rate offense. They are pretty much healthy, minus Allen now. Um, I, I, I think the Chargers are going to win. Whether or not you want to lay the four, that's another that's another question. Um, I'm, I'm probably going to lay it with the Chargers and not take a big bet and then look for in-game opportunities to play the Chargers somewhere around minus 120 to minus 140 on the money line if the, if the situation arises. Probably have a little first half sprinkled in there. Um, and if Denver scores first, I will definitely have Chargers first half plus money uh, if, if plus the points once after the Denver score. Excuse two me, of my the, least uh, favorite coaches in the entire league, too, by the way. Staley at least yeah. is consistent, although he's become more conservative after getting all this shit. And then he goes and does the craziest thing ever, kicking that or going for it on fourth down against Cleveland. And all of a sudden, you can't say he's gotten more conservative. Uh, we didn't get to talk about the, the Breeders' Cup juvenile turf or Phillies turf or juvenile turf sprint. Just kind of ran out of time. But Edelkar, I did see you mentioned this before, so I'm bringing it up. Uh, it's Colin Jagera for the, I think, juvenile Phillies? Jagera? Yeah, juvenile yeah. Phillies. Yeah. She's um, one of the big question marks to me. Does she go juvenile Phillies or juvenile Philly turf? Because if she goes juvenile Philly turf, she's probably one of the top two or three American choices. Juvenile Phillies, she's. I want to say not. I think Edelcar was talking about juvenile Phillies turf, so that's what I think would be great too. I mean, it was a good third in the Alci- well, fourth third in the Alcibiades there, but definitely seems like a turf horse. So um, yeah, that'd be a good well, one there. All right. The horse she beat two back came back and rolled in the, the juvenile Phillies turf uh, prep race too. Uh rotor. Gate to wire, three horse. Justifiable bell? No. no. Can't think of it. Anyways, we're going to get out of here. We'll figure it out before the next show. Uh, join us Wednesday through Sunday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific for Dudes Who Bet Daily for our best bets for horse racing and beyond the world of sports. Delight. There it is. It was delight. Uh, it was a delight talking with all of you in the chat today. Thanks so uh-huh. much. Make sure you subscribe to youtube.com slash racing dudes. And of course, the inside track to the Breeders' Cup wagering guide is available for pre-sale. If you don't have a monthly subscription, first of all, get one. You're doing it wrong. Uh, but some Obama's premium picks, rocket picks, whatever it is, monthly premium products, monthly subscription includes the guide with it. Uh, but that is available for pre-sale. I know you've got something great cooking. Saratoga Slim's coming back for it. Consensus top four picks and the live bankroll article, which has an extremely high ROI. So I'm excited to play that as well. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm going to write uh, my BCBC article again this year. We, we've talked about tournaments a couple times in here. And if you've never had the chance to play a tournament, the Breeders' Cup is a great opportunity to do so. Um, it's a $10,000 buy-in for the BCBC. You get $7,500 of a live voucher to play it. You don't need $7,500 to play to, to simulate playing the BCBC. I've, I had people last year who were sending me uh, DMs on Twitter saying they played it with $75. Other people that played it with $750. Essentially, just take the rules and divide by 10 or divide by 100 and get experience of how you would play it if you were in these situations, how you would try and attack the tournament. You know, it, It's a great way to learn without paying the full price and still getting the experience. And so uh, even on some of these, these smaller tournament days, if you're in the BCBC or if you qualify for one of these tournaments for 28 bucks or 56 bucks or whatever it was, play it with a smaller denomination and just go in there and be like, okay, how am I going to structure this? How am I going to attack this card? It's, it's invaluable to have just the experience of trying these things. 
We'd love to have you join us for the Racing Dudes Tournament, the Breeders' Cup uh, two-day tournament. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, of course, make sure you follow us on Twitter. I'm Matt Curtis Kellowart. He is at some of them, 18, number one, number eight, Corporal Overlords, at Racing underscore Dudes. Once again, go to YouTube.com slash Racing Dudes. Check out all the Breeders' Cup content we've got coming at you until Wednesday or Thursday when we're back for the Magic Mike Show at 5 Eastern. I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Good luck this week, y'all. The Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show, tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show, you can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.